Associate Editor. This episode of the Cover Crop Strategies podcast series is brought to you by GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Amanda Kautz, a district conservationist with NRCS based in Indiana. Amanda will be discussing cover crops and silage. Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. Thanks, I'm happy to be here. To get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I've been with the Natural Resources Conservation Service for about 10 years. Um, Seven and a half of those were as a district conservationist up in far northern Indiana on the Michigan-Indiana line. And uh, last year, I moved back home to West Central Indiana and became the district conservationist in Vigo County. Uh, And as the district conservationist, I provide technical assistance to farmers and landowners, as well as administer farm bill programs, such as the Environmental Quality Incentive Program and the Conservation Stewardship Program at the local level. It sounds like you're busy. Yep, some days it can be. (laughs) So let's go ahead and, and jump right to today's topic. Um, Why is silage a good opportunity for growers to incorporate cover crops into their crop rotations? So silage comes off uh, earlier in the season, around here at sometime in August, September. Uh, So there's a much bigger window of time to actually get your cover crops established. Uh, It's going to be warmer longer, so you can get good growth on species that winter kill, such as oats and radish and turnips or things like clover that will overwinter, but the more growth you get on them, the more beneficial they are. Uh, It also gives you a bigger window of opportunity to do plans. And if you need to go to a backup plan, not to be as rushed and actually get something in. So how can growers take advantage of the wide seeding window for cover crops that using covers as silage may provide? So with the silage coming off in August and September, you're gonna have a lot more uh, species options. Uh, Normally, as you get later into the year and you try and uh, drill something in after corn or bean harvest, you get later and later and around here, by the time you hit October, November, you're down to basically cereal rye as your option. Uh, But with silage, you've got A lot of broadleaf species, you can put in species that might winter kill off, but get some good growth and some benefits. And this is especially true as you move north. Um, When I worked in northern Indiana, it was a huge benefit to have that big window of time to actually get good growth because the time we got to October, the weather was getting pretty iffy. And I know as you move further north in the U.S., it gets that way even more so. So how does a grower ensure a good growth of cover crops that can be used for silage. So you want to make sure you're kind of prescribing your cover crops. So come up with your goals and tailor the cover crop to them because a cover crop you're wanting to uh, chop for haylage in the spring is going to be a lot different than a cover crop that you've got that you're going to leave in the field with goals of like weed suppression or building organic matter. And you also want to make sure you're planting within a seeding window that's going to give you the best chance for growth. So you don't want to do something like plant sorghum Sudan grass, which is a a summer annual, if you're harvesting silage in September and expect to get the same growth like if you planted it 
after wheat in July. So just really picking the cover crop that's going to fit your system and your goals the best is going to give you the growth that you want. So why are covers a good option for growers to use in fields after silage has been harvested? What what soil health benefits can uh, cover crops provide? So since silage harvest, you're taking the corn plant out and chopping it all up for feed. It removes almost all of it. Uh, so you have little to no residue to cover the soil surface. You have little to no residue to break back down into organic matter. Uh, so covering the soil post silage harvest with some cover crops is going to add a lot of soil health benefits. So we have the four main principles of soil health, which are to uh, maximize cover, minimize disturbance, keep a living root as much of the year as possible and maximize diversity. And cover crops by themselves can actually start to fulfill three of four principles. So you're keeping the soil covered by keeping, you know, something growing on that field during the time when you don't have that cash crop following the silage. Uh, you've got living roots in the ground, which are going to feed your soil biology. And then it also is bringing in diversity to the cropping system because it's something other than, you know, corn or beans or maybe even wheat that most people have in their rotation. So that cover crop, depending on what you put in there, is going to build organic matter, prevent erosion. The roots can break up compaction. It can scavenge nutrients. And if you have a legume in there, it can actually fix some nitrogen. So depending on what you want to do and what your goals are, cover crops can have a lot of benefits. For fields that have been used for silage, that have been planted with cover crops, when will nutrients be available for those cover crops to use? So it's going to depend on what your cover crop species is and how mature it is before you actually terminate it. Um, different species and maturity levels are going to have different carbon to nitrogen ratios, which the carbon to nitrogen ratio is going to be what helps determine your rate that it's going to break down. So something that you like get six foot tall mature, like if you let cereal rye mature, um, it's going to break down and release nitrogen later in the season, more toward, you know, when corn is tasseling, uh, it won't be early in the season and something less mature or uh, something like a broadleaf, like a clover might break down faster because it has a lower carbon to nitrogen ratio. So you will get some a little earlier in the season, but especially if you have corn after corn, like you have a continuous corn silage field, you want to plan on starter fertilizer to give your young plants enough nitrogen until the cover crop actually will release that nitrogen later in the season. Okay. So under what circumstances are cover crops being used after silage are especially beneficial. So if you have a field that's continuous corn silage, that's basically all you ever use it for. Uh, it can be hard on the field because we're constantly removing all of that corn plant. So we don't have a lot of biomass and that's pulling the nutrients out of the field and we keep needing those nutrients replenished to grow the next crop. So that's where cover crops can be especially beneficial is that it's going to help replenish those nutrients and build your soil organic matter. And it's also going to provide the diversity that will be missing from that crop rotation since we have the monoculture of just corn after corn. Okay. So when would you recommend to growers to apply manure to cover crops after they've harvested silage out of a field? 
So there's a couple different options. Um, you can apply it before you seed your cover crops. You can apply it directly after you seed your cover crops. You can apply it with your cover crop seed or you can apply it to a living cover crop. It all just really depends on if you've got solid or liquid manure, what you know type that is and what equipment you have available to your operation uh, that will fit those options. Okay, is there a certain one of those options that is better than another or, or talk through some of the pros and cons there? So if you apply before you do your cover crop or immediately after, um, you do have the advantage of you've already got your cover crop in the ground. So if something happens like it rains and you can't get to the field right away, um, you're not, you don't have that time crunch there with trying to get everything done. If you have liquid manure, a lot of people will inject. So the options of doing that before a cover crop seeding might be good if you have more high disturbance type injection equipment, because you're not going to cause an impact on a live like you would on if you had a living cover crop out there. And it's if you have solid manure, you can, you know, apply that at any time. But especially when you're putting it uh, down right after a cover crop seeding or before a cover crop seeding, you're going to want to make sure that's spread out really well so that it's not uh, hindering your cover crop emergence because you don't want to spend that money on the seed and be counting on it to uh, get your nutrients and everything held for you and then be smothered out by the manure and not actually come up. So let's talk a little bit about some tips that growers can use to achieve more biomass from their cover crops. So you definitely maximize biomass when you allow your cover crops to grow longer. So planting them earlier, which after silage definitely gives you that window to do so. And then if you allow them to grow longer before you terminate them in the spring, you achieve a lot more growth, especially if it warms up quick in the spring uh, and you'll have a bigger plant uh, you can also increase the seeding rate some. Uh, seeding rate for something that you're looking for more biomass on is going to be a little higher than if you're looking for a different type of benefit out of that cover crop. But you want to be prepared if you are getting more biomass on that cover crop for challenges that it can bring. Definitely doable. It's not something that should deter anyone from wanting to get that high biomass, but you definitely need to check your equipment setup and make sure your equipment can handle it and actually get in and seed that next cash crop. Uh, you want to make sure you understand your nutrient availability and the timing of that nutrient release. And you also want to do some more scouting and do some pest management because you're going to have different pest pressures than you would in a system with lower biomass. What cover crop species have you seen in your experience that are best for some of those fields that have been maybe nutrient depleted by using them for silage? So doing a cover crop mix, if someone is comfortable with that, is always something I recommend. You want to try and get as many different root structures as possible out there because they're all going to have different benefits and they all also exude different sugars into the soil, which is going to feed different soil biology. And your soil biology is like is 90% of your soil function. So the more you can do for that, the better off you're going to be. So one mix I've seen used before is annual ryegrass, crimson clover, hairy vetch, and radishes, which the radishes will winter kill out. And then you've got the other uh, three species to look at terminating in the spring. 
Um, I've also seen people take silage fields, take the silage off. Um, they have temporary fence up and they're going to graze them. So something like radishes, turnips, oats, clover, and winter pea would be a great grazing mix. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. And now back to the podcast. So now if a grower's primary goal for their cover crops is building organic matter in the soil, should they still harvest or terminate those cover crops or should the cover be left there maybe to incorporate into the soil? So if building your organic matter is the primary goal, you don't want to take it off for feed. A lot of times I know people want to plant, you know, cereal rye, triticale, barley, something that they can cut and get that spring feed, which is great. But if you're looking at building the organic matter, you're doing the same thing with that cover crop as you've done with your silage, which is you're removing all of the biomass and taking all of the nutrients off the field and you're gonna have to replenish that in some way. Uh, so if you leave that cover crop to break down after you've terminated it, whichever termination option you use, but leave that in the field, you not only provide the potential for organic matter, but you can prevent erosion and also feed your soil biology and keep the soil cooler and keep the soil biology more active. And the biology is what's going to break that residue down into organic matter. So leaving that out there, if organic matter is your primary goal, is the best way to go. Recently, I was writing an article about how uh, herbicides are the top choice for cover crop termination method by some 80% of growers. What cover crop termination methods are best if a field will be used for silage? So herbicide is one that most people do prefer and it does work in a field that's going to go into silage. Um, it's probably one of your most controlled termination methods because you're putting on you know, the rate all at the same time. And as long as your cover crop is in the same growth stage and ready for that termination, it works great. Uh, you can also cut cover crops at a certain level in some species like cereal rye you can cut at your flowering pollination stage and it will actually kill it that's what a lot of people who um, are actually cutting that for feed will do as their termination and then they may have to go back in and clean up with some herbicide if they have some escapes but Normally it works pretty well. Some people have tried doing roller crimping with things like cereal rye, hairy vetch, those species that you can roller crimp. It does present a challenge if you're going back to silage in that field because again, you're gonna have that nitrogen tie up, especially since with cereal rye, again, you have to let it get to that flowering stage. So it's gonna have a pretty high carbon to nitrogen ratio. Um, but if you have the right equipment set up and you get that starter fertilizer on, it does provide great weed suppression. So I've seen people have really good luck with that. And some people do terminate with tillage for different cover crops. It's not the 
thing that I would recommend if you're looking at getting your best soil health benefits out of your cover crop because you are causing that disturbance, but it is an option. So it really just depends on what fits that person's operation and the equipment that they have and um, what they feel comfortable with. Let's kind of shift gears here and talk a little bit about a cover crop plan and what aspects should be included in that cover crop plan, particularly if a cover crop will be used in silage or after silage. So when you're doing your cover crop plan, it's all the basics. You know, when you do sentence diagramming in elementary school, they always say who, what, when, where, and why. And it's the same way with the cover crop plan. We need all those elements together uh, to make it work. And I always recommend that my farmers write down their plan because if it's in writing, it's always there to go back and refer to so that you have something to remind you of what that plan was. So you want to know what your you want your cover crop to accomplish and pick species to help with those goals. So if you're looking at something like wanting to cut it for spring forage, you're going to want to look at doing something like cereal rye, triticale, barley that makes really good forage. If you're wanting to go for something for grazing, you're going to go more of a grazing mix like we talked about earlier. So picking those species that help with those goals are great. Uh, you can also pick species for specific soil health goals, like if you're wanting to break up compaction or fix nitrogen for some reason, getting those species in there that will help with that is always good. Uh, and you want to pick species that are going to be successful in your planting window. So depending on when your silage is coming off is going to depend on what you pick. Coming in late in the season, like maybe you're not cutting silage until the middle of September, it may be a little different than if you're coming in and cutting silage at the end of August. You may actually have some more options more back toward the summer annuals because you're cutting a little longer and we're gonna have heat a little longer. You wanna have your planting and termination methods picked out, but have at least one backup plan because we all know we make a plan and mother nature decides to do whatever she wants and sometimes our plan doesn't work. So having a plan for planting your next cash crop after or you terminate your cover crop have some plans for that because we all know things don't always work out the way we want them to. Um, and I always tell people to pick an area to try something out on before they expand to all their acres. Because if you try a new cover crop or let's say you're brand new to cover crops and you're wanting to try them after silage, uh, you want to plant an area that's manageable for you so that you're not overwhelmed. And we want you to be successful in your endeavor with cover crops because we want you to be happy and keep trying to do them because we know there's benefits to them. So picking an area that's manageable really helps you do that. And you also want to pick an area that you're going to be able to compare results with an area that maybe you're not doing cover crops on. So if you're brand new to cover crops, maybe take a field and split it down the middle and do your cover crop management on one side and do your normal management on the other side so that you can actually compare the two sides and see what your visible differences are and how the yields perform and all of that so that you have a really good little kind of mini strip trial on your own farm so that you can see how it all works and actually get visible results. Um, if you go out and do that on all your acres, you're not going to have anything to compare it to. 
So those are kind of the really basic parts of a cover crop plan. There's obviously more things you could throw in there, but those are the ones I always try to get people to think about in any kind of cover crop situation. So how does a grower ensure that cover crop seed is high quality before they go into plant it? So you definitely want to not let the price of a pound of seed get in the way of quality. So you want to, I always try and recommend people to buy variety specific seed. Um, The VNS seed or variety not stated seed is fine, but it could bring some variables in due to differences in each lot or even within a lot where things might mature at different dates or different heights because you may have different types of seed mixed together and that's going to complicate your termination as well as maybe complicate your planting depending on um, how that's running through however you're seeding and you also if you're gonna buy bin run seed or grow your own seed or get seed from the neighbor down the road um, you want to make sure that it's clean so if you're growing your own seed definitely clean it And you want to make sure to get a complete test on your seed that's going to show purity, germination, and any weeds and noxious weeds that are in it so that you know what you're getting. You don't want to take the weed problem from your field down the road that you grew your cover crop seed in and move it into an entirely different field where you didn't have that weed before and now you've just spread the problem. Um, So definitely getting that complete test is a big deal. And... I always encourage everyone to do that if you're working with seed that you don't have a seed tag on. Uh, And you also wanna buy early and plan early. Uh, I was trying to get my people that I work with on cover crops to start looking at buying their cover crops this spring immediately, like as they're planting or after planting and have that plan because cover crop demand has gone up, which is something that we like to see. That means more people have been planting cover crops, Um, but seed supply doesn't always keep up because of weather events where the seeds being grown, taking yields down, or just the fact that we may not have enough acres of seed being grown uh, to keep up with the increased demand. So buying early and planning keeps the price down a little bit because you're not doing a last minute purchase when there's not as much supply and there's more demand. And it also ensures that if you're looking for a specific variety, you can probably get that variety versus if you tried to buy cover crop seed in September to plant right then. Great. Well, that is all the time that we have today. Where can our listeners go for more information about cover crops and silage? So your local NRCS and Soil and Water Conservation District's office is always a good place to start if you have any questions about cover crops after silage or cover crops in general. Um, There's an office that covers every county in the U.S., so you should be able to uh, look that up and go in and get some advice if you need it. Uh, There's a lot of research being done at the land-grant universities on cover crops and cover crops after silage and uh, just all kinds of 
cover crop situations in Indiana, um, that would be Purdue University, but in each state there is a land grant and most of them do have some kind of soil health cover crop research going on. The Sustainable Ag Research and Education or SARE is always a good place to go as well. They do have some specific resources on silage as well as some good resources just on general cover crops. And if anyone is interested in a specific species or uh, how something can be used in a cover cropping system, they have a really great publication that's called Managing Cover Crops Profitably that actually goes through each, a lot of different common cover crop species individually and gives you their pros and cons. So that's always a great place to go if you're, you know, contemplating something to add to your mix or a new cover crop for your system. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Amanda. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.